How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. You're listening to Eye on the Community. I'm Vicki Pepper. Last month, football fans were shocked as DeMar Hamlin collapsed on field in the middle of a game. But the assistant athletic trainer, Denny Kellington, immediately started CPR and is credited with saving his life and sparking a renewed interest in the public getting trained in these life-saving measures. But where can we get this training in the Inland Empire, and what do we need to know about CPR? Here to tell us is Katie Harney, owner and director of Life First Training Center in Yukaipa. Thank you for joining me. No problem. I'm so happy to be here. So, Katie, in the interest of full disclosure, the Odyssey staff and I actually got to take one of your classes last week. Can you tell us, why did you start Life First Training Center? So, it would go back to before I was even here. My parents had three boys and two foster boys, and then they had a little girl, you know, perfect little family. And then when my sister was about a year old, she drowned. And she drowned in our home in a way that most people probably wouldn't even know is a possibility. In fact, I'm sure listeners would be surprised to hear this. But essentially, you know, she's about a year old, and she leaned over into the toilet, and her head fell into the toilet, and she couldn't get out. And my mom was in the other room. So my mom comes back and finds her, pulls her out, calls 911, runs to the neighbor who's a nurse. She comes over, does CPR, but it's too late. My sister dies. Um, Yeah, devastates my family. My parents, I think, were just so struck with grief that the only thing they really could think of was to have another child, which, you know, is not uncommon. So they tried to have another child, but my mom was in her 40s, so... It was very hard. She had a lot of miscarriages, but eventually she had me. And I knew the story from the get-go. I knew all the details since I was a child, including basically that I wouldn't be here if it hadn't have happened because my family was done having children. So, you know, that put a lot of pressure on me as, as a child thinking, you know, I really wanted to save people. Like all through my life, I just felt like I've got to save people. And also, I must say, too, as a kid, I was the kind of kid who was always trying to make everyone laugh. So I was in dance. I was in drama. I was always joking and trying to make people laugh. And I think that's because my family was so sad. So jump ahead to about when I was around 11 years old. I took my first CPR class. So I was like a junior lifeguard or something like that. And I took my first CPR class. I can still remember it because they had 
one mannequin. It was huge. It was like a life-size mannequin. And everybody just took turns breathing on it. Like you would just wipe off the mouth with like a little towelette. And then the next person would go, which we don't do now. But I remember that very clearly. And also around that same time, I was suffering from really bad pain in my back and my knees. My parents just thought it was like growing pains. So no one thought a lot about it, but it was pretty severe. Now jump ahead a little further, and I'm 18, and I actually suffer a traumatic accident. I was actually attacked in like a parking garage. I was struck in the back of the head. I was strangled to unconsciousness. And um, if it wasn't for a bystander actually coming over and helping me, I wouldn't be here today. So there's another incident that happens. Around that same time, because I'm at the doctor's so much, dealing with that, they finally send me to a specialist about my back and my knees. And they find out that I have a disease called ankylosing spondylitis, which is a lifelong spinal disease. It's systemic, so it affects your whole body, but especially your back. And I was basically told it was going to get worse as I got older. So at that point in life, I was majoring in film and child development. Those were the things I was interested in. But I ended up changing that and I became an EMT instead. So I was an EMT. I was teaching CPR. I'm only about 20 years old at this time. And I did that for many years, worked on the ambulance, air ambulance, in the hospital. And then, you know, my health was continuing to decline. It was getting harder to work. And my doctor finally told me, he said, I'm sorry to tell you this, but the jobs that you've chosen, they're just not going to work out for you. They're too physically demanding for you. And you're going to have to figure something else out because this is going to get worse. And I believed him. So I thought, you know, what am I going to do? Because I had put everything into this career of, you know, basically going into nursing at that time. And I thought, well, you know, I do teach a lot. I was teaching a lot CPR and other medical classes to children, to adults. I was teaching all kinds of things, but it was all for other companies and hospitals and such. So I thought, you know what, what if I start my own training center? And I decided then I would start my own American Heart Association training center. I knew it was not going to be easy because the AHA does not just take anyone. Not just anyone can become a training center. You do have to put a lot of work in and there's a step-by-step process. But I did that, opened my own training center, and I've had my own training center for, you know, oh, I don't know, maybe 20 years now and just grown. It started in Northern California and now we're here in Southern California. And now, as you can see, I'm in a wheelchair. So, My health did decline. I can stand and walk a little. I just can't do either for very long. So I do require a wheelchair. So it's nice to have a career where I'm able to help save lives. I'm giving back to people. And I'm also able to do it with my 
health issues. And then the full circle part of that is that, you know, now I'm here in Southern California and I'm very involved in the acting and the writing and the filmmaking. Mm -hmm. So, you know, basically everything that I wanted to accomplish since I was a little child, it all kind of came together in the end. So that's the long story (laughs) of how the training center became the training center. That's fascinating. I don't know if you believe in in destiny or want to call it destiny, but you really feel like this was a calling for you. Yes, it felt like a duty. Like, no matter what I did, I always felt like I had to do more. So, you know, I worked as an EMT and did a lot there, and I was like, okay, I have to do more. So then it was, let's go into nursing. And I went into pediatrics, so I worked at Stanford's Children's Hospital. But it was always like, yes, how many more people can we help? How many more people can we save? And the best way to do that, I think, is by teaching. Because when you teach one person, then they might teach another person. And it's just like a domino effect. So I do believe that, you know, I did have a calling. This was my duty. I have gotten to the point in life where I can kind of, you know, take the pressure off myself where I don't feel so obligated, but I do feel that this is what I was supposed to do and I feel good about it. Yeah. So why should someone choose your training center to do their CPR training? First of all, definitely because we're an American Heart Association training center. The AHA, they are the gold standard of CPR, which means, you know, they're the top. They actually are the ones that make the CPR guidelines. And it's not just a guessing game. All the guidelines are based on science. So they're constantly researching. And, you know, sometimes the guidelines change a little. So people will say, oh, I think in the past I remember doing 15 compressions and now we're doing 30. And we can say, yeah, that's because science has shown the more compressions, you know, the faster, the better, all those kind of things. So being an AHA training center, for sure. And then also, you know, we've done this for such a long time. I feel like we have it pretty mastered. We are very relaxed. We want our students to not only learn CPR, but walk away feeling like they can do CPR. Mm. So, um, you know, it's a relaxed environment. As you know, like we play the music, we try to have fun and, you know, it's low pressure. I think that that's a really important part of who you choose is, is it going to be pressure or is it going to be kind of a relaxed environment? Yeah. And what other classes do you offer? We offer a lot of other classes. What you guys did was basic CPR. We also offer healthcare provider CPR, which is called BLS. We offer first aid with CPR. We offer pediatric first aid with CPR. We offer CPR for kids, babysitter certification, abuse and abduction prevention, active shooter, just all sorts of things I could go on and on and on and on, but lots of kids classes especially. Part of that training includes how to use an AED. Can you tell us what is an AED? Yeah, so AED stands for Automated External Defibrillator. Automated means it tells you what to do, so it's going to walk you through the process. External meaning outside of the body because there are pads that are placed almost like stickers outside of the body. 
and defibrillator, which means defibrillation is the shock where, you know, when the heart is not pumping correctly and you give that shock and everybody's seen that on television, right? So an AED is a device that delivers that shock when somebody's heart is not pumping correctly, when they're in cardiac arrest. And what's special about an AED versus a regular defibrillator is an AED is designed for the general public to use. So it's designed for anybody to use. It's very, very simple, very straightforward. You find these in public places and you can grab it and turn it on and it will walk you through everything. Very simple. And it greatly, greatly increases the chance of survival the quicker it's used. I think that simplicity is really important because when you're in an emergency situation, you've got the adrenaline running and it's all you can do to think your way through that situation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, when you turn it on, it's going to start talking to you right away and it will tell you exactly what to do. When it tells you to put the pads on, you'll look at the pads and there will be pictures on the pads of exactly where they go. You just stick them on like stickers and then it will tell you when it's reading the rhythm. It will tell you when a shock is advised and to stand clear and you push the button and then it will tell you to resume CPR. Very straightforward, very easy, yes. How safe are they? They are very safe, and I think this is one of the more important things that people should know about an AED because I think just the thought of electricity makes people nervous, but these are very, very, very safe. First of all, they only shock if someone's in a shockable rhythm. So what that means is if, let's say, somebody faints and you grab the AED and you put on the pads and you start pushing the shock button, it's actually not going to shock them. It will tell you no shock advised. So you don't have to worry that you're gonna make a mistake. You're not. It's designed to do the work for you. And then in regards to people getting shocked who are using the AED, it tells you to stand clear and you have the control, you push the button So it's not a surprise. It makes it very clear and you just lift your hands off the body and then the shock is delivered. So definitely very safe. You said that these are often found in public places. Where are they usually kept? They're found in so many different places now. When they first came out, you know, it was just some businesses. But now I see them everywhere I go. And I think if people probably after listening to this, they'll see them everywhere you go because it just gets in your head. But, you know, you might see them in, let's say, a school, a doctor's office, dental office, church, health club, sports arena, shopping mall, any type of business, amusement parks. Disneyland has them everywhere. In fact, our company used to do this thing where we would have like a scavenger hunt for AEDs all around Disneyland and see who could find them all. But you do um, see them on the park map, but they're everywhere in Disneyland. But yeah, you can find them in any public places and you never know who has one. So when someone collapses, We teach our students to always send someone to go call 911 and to go look and see if there's an AED and bring it back if there is one. 
I'm speaking with Katie Harney, owner and director of Life First Training Center in Yukaipa. Moving on to CPR, what does CPR stand for? CPR stands for cardiopulmonary resuscitation, which is a whole bunch of long, big words. So to just, you know, narrow that down, cardio means heart, pulmonary means lungs and breathing, and resuscitation means to bring it back, to fix it. So CPR is basically when somebody's heart is not pumping and they're not breathing, and then we come in and we pump their chest, and sometimes we also give them breaths as well. Why should someone take a CPR class? Well, of the 350,000 people who suffer out of the hospital cardiac arrest every year, only 10% of those people will survive. And the reason is because people are not stepping up and doing the CPR Um, You know, even if they know CPR, sometimes they don't step up and do it. I think a lot of times people think, well, help is on the way. You know, maybe they even hear the sirens in the distance. So they think, well, help's on the way. They'll get here soon. They know what to do. But, you know, even waiting one minute, two minutes, three minutes, you know, and not doing CPR can mean the difference between life and death. So the more people who know CPR and get comfortable with the steps, the more likely that CPR will be given in these situations and the more lives will definitely be saved overall. What's the point of CPR? Like what's our goal when we're performing CPR? Right. So essentially the biggest part of it is you're pumping the heart. So when somebody needs CPR, it's because they're in cardiac arrest, which means their heart is not pumping correctly. So what we're going to do is we're going to put our hands on the center of the chest and we're going to push hard and fast. And essentially what we're doing is we're pumping the heart for them. And why that's important is that oxygen is in our blood. So when we're pumping the heart, We're keeping that oxygen moving throughout the body and keeping everything, you know, kind of alive inside while we wait for trained help to get there. Like you said, you're pumping on their chest. Yes. What's the likelihood that you're going to hurt someone by doing that? We get that question a lot, actually. We especially get it when we're doing the child or infant portion of the class. And the truth is you might hear... A cracking sound, you know, somebody's rib might break, the sternum might give way. That's actually very common in CPR. And honestly, it means you're probably giving really good compressions. But you have to think about it like this. This is somebody who's essentially dead. Their heart's not pumping. They're not breathing. You can't really make that situation much worse. But you can make it better, potentially, with the CPR. If somebody's rib cracks, that will heal. But if you don't give them CPR for sure, they might not come back. So say you give someone CPR, you end up breaking a rib. Mm -hmm. They end up surviving. Are they allowed to then sue you for that? Or what happens there? Well, you know, anybody can sue anyone for anything. But you are actually really well protected 
There's something called the Good Samaritan Act, which protects you when you're giving aid, whether it be CPR, using an AED, or giving first aid to somebody who needs it. You are very well protected with the Good Samaritan Act. Yes. And what's the difference between cardiac arrest and a heart attack? Yeah, so cardiac arrest is when the heart isn't pumping correctly. So, you know, when we have the dry erase board, we kind of show people that the heart rhythm kind of goes all wonky and it's not pumping anymore. That person's going to lose consciousness and it can be caused by a million different things, right? It could be sudden, which we see sometimes with the sports players, for example, but it could also be caused by heart disease. It could be caused by someone drowning. It could be caused by a traumatic accident. So, you know, there's a variety of reasons why someone might go into cardiac arrest. A heart attack is different. A heart attack is a blockage. So that's when, you know, oxygen's not getting to the parts of the heart that it needs to because there's a blockage. Now, that can cause cardiac arrest, but not necessarily. Most people, when they have a heart attack, they are awake and conscious. But if it is severe enough, yes, they could then go into cardiac arrest. Tell us about the link between music and CPR. (laughs) So you want to make sure you're going hard and fast when you're pushing on the chest to really keep that pumping going. You want to go down at least two inches. You want to stick with a beat of around 120 so it's fast. And the song Staying Alive, we realized it's been a while, a long time ago, we realized that that song had the right beat. So we would play it at our classes. And when I say I, I mean, you know, all of the CPR providers, (laughs) the American Heart Association realized this. And so we'd play the song and it was definitely helpful because then if CPR was needed in a real life situation, they can remember that song. So it would help them to remember the beat. And recently, the American Heart Association came up with a new campaign. And I can't remember. I want to say it's called Be the Beat or Don't Drop the Beat. It's something with the beat. (laughs) But they actually have a playlist that is full of songs that are at that beat. And it would surprise you. Lots of songs that are favorites and probably any kind of music genre that exists, there's a song for. So you can look up that playlist, Don't Drop the Beat by the American Heart Association, and get a whole long list of songs that will help you to remember how fast to go when you're pushing on those mannequins. How difficult is the CPR class? It's not difficult at all. Yeah. I think many, 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 many years ago, it was a bit harder, you know, but now it's very relaxed. We've realized that the goal is for people to leave feeling confident that they can do it and feeling like proud, like I've got this, I could do this in a real life situation. We don't want them leaving saying that was horrible and just forgetting everything that happened because it was just so awful. They want to forget it. So the class is, you know, made to be fairly simple, very straightforward. Um, There are different options on the way that we teach, whether, you know, it's in person or a hybrid version or what have you. But for the most part, students are watching videos and then they are practicing on mannequins. 
And if they're a healthcare provider, there is a written exam at the end, but it's multiple choice, not that bad. And for the most part, it's pretty impossible to fail a CPR class unless you were to just leave. And there's no, like for a layperson like me, there's no like, okay, get up in front of the class and demonstrate no. those unless you want to, because I feel like that would just fill me with anxiety. <laughs> yeah. I mean, different CPR providers do different things. So I can't say everybody, you know, does it the same way that we do it, but we do not put anybody on the spot. Occasionally we might put together like a group to do a group scenario where, you know, you're working with multiple people. And we do a choking demonstration sometimes where we might ask for a volunteer if they want to help us with it. But that's, you know, that's optional. We don't force anybody to come in front of the class. No, nothing like that. What if you're performing CPR on someone, but you don't want to put your mouth on them? Are there options? Yeah, that's a good question. And that's, you know, definitely a concern that people have. And we've actually found through all the research over the years, that the breaths portion of CPR is not the important part. It's actually the compressions. By far, the compressions are the most important part. So if you don't want to put your mouth on the person to give the breaths, then you can always do hands-only CPR, which is where you take the breaths portion completely out, and you just push hard and fast on the center of the chest, And, you know, you don't even have to count to 30 because it's just continuous pushing. So that's what you would do in that scenario. I've been speaking with Katie Harney, owner and director of Life First Training Center in Yukaipa. If someone wanted to take one of your classes, how could they sign up? They could just go to our website, lifefirsttrainingcenter.com, all spelled out. Or they can email us at info at lifefirsttrainingcenter.com trainingcenter.com. Again, all spelled out. That would be the easiest way. You can follow us on Facebook. (laughs) And do you have any last thoughts for us or anything else you want to add? I would just say that I hope people think about taking a CPR class, even if it's not required for your job, even, you know, just for personal knowledge. They're not that bad. They're fun. They're easy. And you can definitely save a life. Thank you so much for speaking with us today. And thank you for living out your destiny and this amazing calling that you've been given. Thank you. I really appreciate you letting me come on here and talk to you. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. 
We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them, with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. In vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified, diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places.